Howdy, folks. This is good old J.R. Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report. And I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice! Welcome to the Ross Report. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Slobberknocker Audio is on the air, and I thank you very much for downloading our program. We appreciate you folks that have uh, subscribed to Apple Podcasts for free, by the way. And uh, you know you get your show automatically downloaded every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific, into the device of your choosing. Pretty good deal. So check that out. And again, thanks for doing that. Fun show this week. He may be the busiest man in show business. Chris Jericho is joining us this week for the first time, a noted podcaster an innovator of his own podcast network. And, uh, he's created a, an event next year, a cruise that is going to be uh, a lot of fun. We're going to talk about that as well. That good old JR himself will be a part of good stuff. I look forward to talking to Chris. Chris got to noted author. We have that in common. Our books, can you, can you believe that after two, over two years of working on this book, that in a week, it'll be in stores. Tuesday, October 3rd. Keep that in mind. Slobber knocker my uh, life in wrestling. I think it's going to do well. I have, I have a good gut feeling it's going to do good. It's a true story. True story for sure. Good show today. A lot of bases to cover. And uh, we'll get with Chris Jericho momentarily. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, you've been waiting on it. You need it. You gots to have it. I gots to know. I gots to know if he's really Andre the Giant. You gots to know what's on my mind. It's time! It's time! It's- what's on JR's mind? Probably the biggest news here on what's on my mind this week is the fact that our autobiography, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling, We'll hit the stores uh, next Tuesday, October the 3rd. So it's right around the corner. It's just kind of hard to believe that, you know, we've been talking about this book for a couple of years and uh, working on it longer than that. And during the process of writing this book, starting out with Scott Williams and the Scott, uh, his untimely passing in his early 40s kind of caught us off guard, to say the least. And then finding another writer to partner with, and lucky, so lucky to find Paul O'Brien in Ireland, of all places. Long way from Norman. And then losing my wife in March, coming down the home stretch, the finishing the project, and even having second thoughts about it, should I even go ahead with it? So it's been an interesting journey to get this dang thing done, but I'm proud of what we've accomplished. I really am. Uh, through the amazing efforts of, of Scott Williams and his passion and his research abilities, is almost forensic study of pro wrestling is amazing. And then Paul O'Brien certainly is just a so gifted way above my pay grade for sure. Just a brilliant writer. So on October 3rd, if you're near a, uh, Barnes and Noble books, a million indie bound, just wherever books are sold, 
you'll be able to find our book. It's also going to be available on uh, an audio version. And let me tell you, reading the audio version was challenging for a lot of reasons. It's kind of like uh, narrating your own uh, documentary of your life. You've lived it. You see it. You're feeling it again. And so uh, it was challenging. But I think you'll hear that if you check out the uh, audio version of the book. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of book signings. They're being organized by Skyhorse Publishing and our people. Uh, hopefully they're going to come to some uh, sort of uh, plan sooner than later. PremierCollectibles.com is audio copies of the book available in limited quantities. They came to my home with a bunch of books. I signed them uh, about a week ago. PremierCollectibles.com. That's the name of the company. So I think you're going to enjoy it. So check it out if you can. It's uh, available next week, Tuesday, October the 3rd. Barnes & Noble for one of many, many places. Amazon, anywhere that books are sold, you will find our book. It is a major project for Skyhorse Publishing, and uh, we're taking it pretty seriously ourselves. So it's a project that's very close to my heart, and you can understand why. And I think you'll like it because it's an honest book. No doubt. It's an honest book. And that's exactly what you deserve. So remember, it's Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling on uh, in bookstores next Tuesday, October the 3rd. Uh, get your coffee, check it out, and, and I think you're going to have fun reading it. And I'm anxious to hear what you think about it. I thought that uh, No Mercy on Sunday night in Southern California, Safel Center, was a solid show. I will tell you that anytime you're in the main event position, there will always be an inordinate amount of responsibility resting on your shoulders to deliver above and beyond what is booked. I thought that the story going into No Mercy involving Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman was extremely strong. And it was the one of the driving reasons, forces, if you will, that I was anxious to watch the show on Sunday night. Now, the Cena-Roman Reigns addition to that uh, card helped it a lot. But I think that one of the reasons that some fans probably were uneasy about the show as it ended was how it ended, because they were looking for more from Strowman and Lesnar. And by looking for more, I mean Lesnar beat Strowman with an F5. That is Lesnar's established tried-and-true finisher, the F5. Lesnar executed the F5 to perfection on a massive man and beat him with it. There's where the controversy starts. He only hit him with one F5. And that is a dangerous trend that we are smack dab in the middle of in pro wrestling right now. That your best move, because of our own hand, is not good enough to normally beat someone with. You've got to do it multiple times. That's like, to me, it's as sinful as using a great finisher like the DDT as a high spot or a transition. Are you kidding me? That's the level of our creativity. So I think that the show could have had a hotter ending. No mercy, speaking of no mercy. And But the trends of multiple-use finishers to beat someone 
is well in place, apparently. So, but nonetheless, I enjoyed the No Mercy event overall. I thought that uh, Seen in Rain told a hell of a story. I'm not as wrapped up in the passing of the torch scenario that many are. I'm not saying that John Cena didn't, to some degree, pass the torch to Roman Reigns. But I'm not so sure what goes to the territory or the job description in passing the torch. What does that mean? I'm not sure I know what it means. So, uh, and I'm not sure that Roman Reigns is going to be the next John Cena. I hope that he is. It's not a layup. It's not a gimme for anybody. But I like the fact that there's a plan apparently in place. And I don't disagree with it, quite frankly. But nice work by Cena and uh, Reigns. I really enjoyed the tag title match. Rollins and Ambrose against uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. They earned their pay. Did a good job. And told a nice story. So good job there. The ladies, five-way match. They're never easy to navigate, but these these ladies did a, a really a fine job of that. There was a good story told. I thought that Nia Jax was the star of the, of the contest. There's something there with her that's very intriguing. That, and, and yes, it has a, a, a large part of that has to do with her size, and that's not a negative, at least not in my eyes. So, uh, But a good outing by the ladies, and uh, Nia had a really uh, an outstanding uh, outing. But you can't make all five better. All five people aren't going to, quote-unquote, get over in that outing. Some did not in the five-way. I enjoyed uh, Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt's match. I'm a Bray Wyatt fan. I like this athleticism for a 300-pounder. I don't think that's discussed enough or underscored enough. It's very impressive. Finn Balor is very special. It would seem that Finn Balor will be a stop along the way for Brock Lesnar and the universal title between Lesnar and Roman Reigns, which I would assume, strictly an assumption, will be at WrestleMania in New Orleans. So all in all, I enjoyed a, a Sunday night at home watching wrestling on the WWE Network. My Apple TV was working great. Good picture. Enjoyed it. If you watched it, I hope you did too. If you didn't watch it, you know, it's worth checking out. But there's some nice moments on there. Some, some guys did some good work. But one of our own trends that we've talked about here on this show a lot is uh, coming to seemingly bite people in the ass. The more you do, the more you have to do. And at some point, it's a fait accompli that there's going to be Diminishing returns in this scenario. This transaction is not buyer-friendly. And when your bump card's out, it's out. Guys just need to work smarter. I'm sure that that's industry-wide is my point. So those are my thoughts on No Mercy. So a nice, easy-to-watch evening of pro wrestling on the WWE Network on Sunday night uh, with No Mercy. Good crowd, sell-out crowd. All look good to me. So uh, nice job, guys and gals. Remember that the Ringside with Jim Ross show heads to Boston for the first time uh, on Saturday afternoon, December 16th. That will be at Laugh Boston. Bring my show there. Jeremy Borash, the very talented Jeremy Borash, will be joining me as our MC. And we'll have some fun there. VIP tickets include the pre-show meet and greet photo op, 
autographs, all the whole nine yards prior to the show starting. And there's those tickets and the general mission tickets. And they're available now at laughboston.com. Okay. Laughboston.com. We have a hundred of the VIP tickets and once they're gone, they're gone. And then the GAs are the other tickets. So laughboston.com has your tickets. Love to see you there. We'll talk more about that. And, and get J, we'll get JB on here before putting down that show as well. He's a great guest. My centers are off this weekend. Close call last week down in Waco. I didn't make the trip. I got banged up a little bit on the sideline of the OU Tulane game with a bunch of bruising on my ribs and lower back. My doctors thought it wouldn't be a great idea for me to drive, so I didn't make it to Waco. I watched every minute of it, though. Wow. Wasn't a good week to try new medicine. <laughs> uh, Sooners just played well enough to win. That's it. But that's what happens sometimes. You know, they're, they're young, and, and they uh, they had an emotional game at Ohio State, and they didn't have a kind of, kind of a letdown game as well against Tulane. So they were supposed to beat Baylor by 28. That didn't happen. But they won. That's the bottom line, Stone Cold would say. Because we all know I'd rather fight a man than make a love to a woman. But uh, if you're looking for some wrestling to do in, in my neck of the woods, Oklahoma 2 is going on down in Ardmore. Big night. I mean, a huge deal. Check out ImperialWrestlingRevolution.com. Oklahoma 2, Ardmore, Oklahoma, on Saturday night. Autographs, wrestling. Big card, some big-time stars will be there. You might even see me there. You never know. Depends on how I feel. I need a, I need a nice young nurse. i got to work on that. Access TV's coverage of the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax Tournament. Oh, <laughs> my, my. I love when he says Climax. I just bring some crazy things to my mind. <laughs> Well, actually, it's Climax 27. <laughs> oh, my God. So our coverage of the G1 tournament is uh, ongoing on Friday nights. Access TV. Check it out uh, if you can. Josh, Barnett, and myself are, are handling the broadcast and enjoying every bit of it. So a lot of things happening. Good things. Putting this tour together for our book signing. will come up soon. I'll, I'll get you all the dates on that. And remember, I'm trying to keep doing a better job of writing a few more blogs and keeping up with my business on my website, the world's loneliest website, jrsbarbecue.com, jrsbarbecue.com. But the bottom line of that story is that it'll always have the information on our upcoming ringside shows, our book tours, or where I'm going to be signing and things of that nature. So check that out, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, and hope you'll support our efforts on uh on a book that comes out next week. And that, uh, of course, we've got Chris Jericho coming up soon. Chris Jericho is coming up momentarily. That's going to be big. Businessman in show business. Chrissy Jericho, no doubt about that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what's on my mind. Podcast One Sports presents Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear Jack Harbaugh. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Jim Harbaugh. What the hell's going on around here? And JT Rogan share their stories from on and off the field. Past guests include John Harbaugh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, and Pardon My Takes, PFT, and Big Cat. So don't miss an episode of Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, exclusive 
exclusively on PodcastOne.com and the new Podcast One app. Just a sample of what's coming to Podcast One Sports. The Ross Report. He's got to be the busiest guy I know. Manny, I, I read social media and follow Chris Jericho around, I, and I, I get fatigued. I, I, I need a nap or a smoke. I'm not sure which one, but something. Chris Jericho joining us on the Ross Report for the first time. God, are you busy or what? You're a busy man. Well, it's funny, too. I'm so busy in that you and I have had these podcasts for going on three years for you, four years for me, and we've never done each other's show yet. So, first of all, I'm glad we finally got this rolling. And second of all, yeah, just uh, busy, you know, lots of stuff going on. And, um, you know, it's the typical thing where you work on a lot of different things for a long time, and they all come to fruition at the exact same time. So it's been a busy fall for me, for sure. You're putting together one of the more intriguing promotional concepts that I've uh, encountered, and that is your cruise, the Rock and Wrestling Rager. All buzzwords I use daily in my normal speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, Jim, it's funny because we did the, the Kiss Cruise a couple of years ago. Fozzie played it. And I was just amazed at, at how how much activities and how much action, how many things were going on in this cruise and just how cool of a, of a vibe that it was. And thinking, like, I could totally do this with with a wrestling theme, but not like uh, the Bruise Cruise or the Wrestle Vessel, those things that we used to do in the 90s where you just kind of hang around. I wanted to do an actual wrestling, like a tournament at sea and put the ring on the boat and have the matches like when you're in the middle of the ocean. And then combine that with rock and roll, combine that with podcasting and comedians and the paranormal, all the stuff that I like, all the stuff that I'm kind of known for, and just put that on a cruise. So that's where the initial idea came from. That was two years ago. So we just announced it this week, but that was two years of, of you know, meetings and phone calls and, you know, all these different things that we had to do to, to get to get it to come to fruition. But we finally did. So it was a huge, uh, it was a huge undertaking to, to make it happen. And now that it's actually happening, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling for sure. Do you find yourself in the role of the booker for something like this? Well, the thing is, too, like, okay, so I knew, first of all, that I can't put together, you know, a, a card. Like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, first of all, maybe Jericho versus Rey Mysterio or something. But I'm like, that's not going to, that's not what I'm looking for in this. I wanted to do, like, because you never know who's going to get hurt and who might get signed by, you know, WWE or New Japan or whatever. So I knew if I, if I got a company involved and the name value of the company would, would kind of take precedent, no matter who's working for that company at the time frame, they book it and they put it together. So I'm not booking the matches or the tournament, but I am booking the talent, you know, as far as who do I think, you know, putting together the best roster I can um, for the, you know, for the budget that I have and, you know, pulling in some favors. You're one of them that, that, were, that were really cool in doing this. But I want to make it a great experience. This is not a one-time thing. Like I want this to be a success like the Kiss Cruise, which I think they're going on their, their seventh or eighth year, ninth year, you know, Kid Rock, Walking Dead, um, you know, 311, all these people have very successful cruises. And I thought, well, once again, why not have our business represented, but not make it just a wrestling thing, make it a big party at sea. So I did kind of have to look and see, well, who can I afford? Who can I get? You know, what bands can I put on here that, that have the vibe of what I'm looking for, like a big party? 
Um, you know, so it was it was a long time coming. Like I said, I've been working on this for for two years. Uh, you know, there's a story we talk about. I even lost the boat at one point that we were going to use. So you know, I guess I am the talent booker, but I'm not booking the matches themselves. I'm leaving that up to the pros for sure. So Ring of Honor is going to have some content, in ring content. They had a pay per view last Friday night, solid show, but they'll always deliver good matches. So. But I would think that the whole damn endeavor is what you're coming to, coming to enjoy. I, I don't know if you're going to, how many five star matches you're going to be able to embrace. But nonetheless, there's a lot, a lot of other stuff to do, man. Well, the thing is, too, okay, so, so Ring of Honor being involved, like I've been talking with, with them uh, this week, uh, you know, as far as who we're going to bring aboard. And it's the top of the top. Like when we announce the names, like there's, there's every top guy is going to be on the cruise because it, it's like going on a kids' cruise. Like it's just a fun idea. Like, who wouldn't want to go on a cruise and play music or go on the cruise and, and like actually wrestle on, on the boat as well. But, but the thing that we came up with is, is it's a sea of honor tournament and the winner of the tournament gets a, a, a ring of honor championship title match at a later date. So there is something at stake. So there is some incentive for the guys to put on some good shows. And you know, you know how it is, Jared, when the guys get out there and you've got a rabid crew and, and, you know, a captive audience, who, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I, have nothing, uh, no rules at all about what they're going to be doing or what I what, what I expect them to do. I think it's just going to be another great Ring of Honor show, and we're going to do three shows over three days. You know, the tournament will take place, and then you know, typical round robin, I imagine, and then the guys that eliminate or you know, later on in the, in the tournament and tag matches or whatever it may be. We got some of the women of honor, the girls coming, so it's going to be like a big deal. It's going to be like a pay per view because of what's at stake. And that's what I wanted to. I didn't want it just to be a bunch of frivolous matches of, okay, you know, Hall and Nash at the Nitro in Panama City where they jump off a ring into the pool doing cannonballs. Like, I don't want that. You know, I want it to be taken seriously and put on a good show for the people that are there just the same way that they put on a good show for a pay-per-view audience or for, you know, New York City crowd or Las Vegas or whatever they may be. And, and that was never even a contention. It's, it's Ring of Honor's the branding that they have. And they were never anything but we're going to bring the top guys and we're going to put on you know the top matches that that we that we're going to you know book, book on this show so i'm excited about it are you going to work on it i don't think i am you know i i don't think so i mean um there's i'm not really wanting to do that in that capacity you know i kind of want to be the, the overseer and you know i'll be doing my podcast live podcast i got a one-man show that you have um i think i'd love to have you on my show there in front of the audience we'll do some fozzy gigs and i'll be you know, doing everything basically, just kind of walking around and meeting and greeting signings and emceeing and grand poobahing, whatever needs to be done. So that's kind of what, what Kiss did on the cruise. They played their shows and then they were accessible for all these other activities and cool things. So you really got to know them a bit more. And that's kind of what I wanted to do rather than actually working. I'll leave that up to Ring of Honor to do their tournament properly and do it the right way and not have to, you know, maybe step in the ring at, at, at that point. The uh, podcasting world is going to be well represented on your cruise. And you, you've really got involved in that. Tell me about creating your own thinking. There's going to be a range war between Court Bauer and Chris Jericho on the podcasting uh, realm. You know, everybody's hatching their new, well, new shows. It's kind of cool. Well, what happened was, Jim, when I started, uh, actually the guy who got me into podcasting was Steve. Uh, Steve Austin called me. And, um, you know, Steve was one of the first guys to do a podcast. And then when his became such a success as 
you know, as, as is society, when somebody's success, they want other versions of that. So Steve called me and um, arranged a meeting with, with Norm, which, who is your boss now, Norm Pattis. Yep. And, you know, uh, we had a great meeting, but I told him, like, you know, I'm really interested in this. I really love doing this sort of thing. I've done a lot of radio in the past, but I'm not interested in doing just, just a wrestling show. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I, I can't, this, I have so many more interests and so many more things that I'm into. And so I was able to kind of convince him that just to do kind of a Jericho show. Now, when I started doing it, I thought right away, okay, well, typical, typical Jericho, who's the biggest podcaster in the world? Uh, it's Adam Carolla. Okay, so then I start looking at Adam Carolla and kind of see what his business model is and see how he does things. And one of those things that he had was his own network. And I thought, well, that's something kind of cool because I know a lot of guys that would be great at podcasts and they, that maybe couldn't get deals on podcast one on their own. Like, you know, Jim Ross, that's a huge name. Steve Austin, huge name. But what about a guy like Conan? Very talented. And what about a guy like Raven? You know how crazy Raven is and how entertaining. Or, or I knew Lance Storm and Cyrus are like, you know, uh, wrestling, you know, uh, psychology, you know, a uh, mm-hmm. PhD in wrestling with those guys. So a couple of years ago, I, I just pitched to Norm that, that he let me have my own network. And I think he gave it to me just as more of a, he thought it was going to be kind of an ego boosting thing. But now, between Conan's show and Don and Lance's show, Raven's show, and I got a, a paranormal show called Beyond the Darkness. That's huge. It's bigger than all of them. I got a rock and roll show. I got a pop culture show. And so the network's kind of a, a cool place where I can bring people uh, and talents to the big leagues that might not get a chance, um, you know, any other way. So it, it's been fun because, like I said, like it's one of those things where, okay, well, Corolla does it. Well, then I want to do it. You know, if he's going to have his own network, then I want to have mine because that's the way to kind of get to the next level uh, in this world of podcasting. It's amazing sometimes how if we just pay attention and don't overthink a matter, how simple some things are. If you're willing to do the work, and you've always been willing to do the work, but uh, isn't it amazing that Adam Carolla does the, the grunt work and kind of steers the course? And, hey, look, I, I wouldn't have got into it either if it hadn't been for Austin. I think yeah. you know, Barry Bloom was working on your deal or had just finished your deal, I think, when I got in the chase. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure what a podcast was. You know, there was an audio show. Okay, so it's like it's like doing a radio. Yeah, I kind of like radio. Right. So that's what it is. It's, we're doing radio well, here. It's funny. It's it's like you said too. Like a lot of people didn't know uh, what podcasts were. I remember the first the first podcast I ever did, as a matter of fact, was out of Corolla. And I remember thinking, like, aren't podcasts like done out of kids' basements, just on a computer? Like, what is a podcast? And then to show up at, um, I don't know if you've ever done it before. He's got this big complex in Burbank uh, with like this big sign on the wall that says Guinness Book of World Records, most listened to podcast of all time, like one billion listens or something ridiculous like that. And I was like, what? So that's when I started figuring out what podcasting is. But a lot of people are still learning what podcasting is and not realizing like. You don't want to spend your money on terrestrial radio anymore because it's just so limiting as to far as, okay, I can listen to the radio in, you know, Oklahoma City, or I can listen to the radio in Tampa or, you know, in, in Winnipeg, or I can put on a podcast that goes worldwide with a captive audience that's not going anywhere. So I think over the next few years, if you have a good podcast with a good fan base, the sky's the limit as to how many ads and advertisers are going to jump in because they're starting to figure out, like, podcasting isn't the wave of the future. It's the wave of now. Um, and you know, I barely listen to music anymore. I listen to podcasts all the time when I'm working out or when I'm driving somewhere. It's amazing how it's kind of taken over my, uh, my leisure time. Are you, uh, 
are you also keeping up with the fact that along with your network, you're going to have to have a sales network as well? Well, it's all done through through Podcast One, right? So it's what it's like is in the music business, you would see sometimes that uh, certain bands or certain personalities will get their own um, their own subsidiary label and a major label. So it'd be like, okay, Sony, but then you can do, you know, like hardcore records or house records or whatever it may be. So it's all done through Sony, mm. but you're the guy who kind of brings the talent to the label. And that's what it is. So I bring the talent to Podcast One, uh, tell Norm, like, okay, this guy's really good. He listens to a demo, and then you give it a try. And, and so far, all my shows, none have been canceled, and most of them are making money. So um, I think it's more along this kind of presenting to him, uh, much like you would present them to Vince, because I don't know if you know Norm very well, but Norm and Vince are so similar, it's uh, ridiculous. And uh, you just pitch the idea to him, and if you have passion and if he feels that it might work, then he pretty much lets me do what I want, book who I want, bring who I want on. And most of the time, my instincts are correct. So all the advertising is done through Podcast One. Now. For audio aficionados listening, uh, Norm Pattis is the uh, creator of Podcast One. He also is the creator of Westwood One. Yes. Which was the massively successful radio network that broadcasts the biggest games, biggest concerts, yeah, everything. Yeah. It's the Mac Daddy of all that stuff. So, I don't know what Norm sold Westwood One for. It was multiple, multiple millions and millions of dollars. And now Podcast One is growing up well. And the show that we're taping here is, uh, I think, one eighty nine. I think it is. So one one hundred eighty nine show. So one hundred eighty nine weeks. One once a week. You know, that's the thing about this. I thought about you know uh, doing two shows. You, you're doing you do two shows and. Steve does two shows. You guys are, you know, blazing a trail for, for guys like me. And I think, well, maybe I'll do two shows. One, the Austin's advice: don't do it. Don't. Do it. <laughs> and I, and after a while, I, there, there have been weeks where I feel creative and I feel like I want to, you know, engage. Boy, there are other weeks, man. I think I'm thinking, man, damn, I'm glad I don't have to do another show. <laughs> One's a load. How do you do that? How, how do you maintain your schedule? On that? Well, what, what I do, Jim, is I have my uh, my little Zoom recorder and, and, you know, my mics and stuff. I carry it in a pillowcase and I throw it in my bag. And I take it with me everywhere. Um, so when I'm traveling, like right now we're going to do a Fozzie tour. So I just kind of say, okay, what city am I in? Who do I know that's in this town? Who else is on the bill? Um, who's around here? And I, I bank them. And some of them... I've had for, you know, eight months, nine months, because they're evergreen. I can air it any time. And maybe I've had it scheduled in, like, like, for example, I had one scheduled in for this week, and then Bobby Heenan passed away. And so I got a couple of guys together just to tell Bobby Heenan's story, same thing that you did this week. Because that's something relevant, and it's something like I'm not doing it to cash in. I'm doing it because I respected Bobby Heenan and want to talk about him and kind of just delve into that a bit. And so that one will air as soon as it's recorded. And there's other ones that I bank. So I basically have, I think, I don't know, 30 or 40 kind of in the can. And I'm always looking for new guests. And, and I'm fortunate now that my podcast has uh, some good steam behind it. So I get a lot of people approaching me yeah. uh, wanting to wanting to be a part of it and that sort of thing. So if somebody has a record coming out or a movie coming out or there's you know big pay-per-view, then I'll put them on right away. If it's somebody like, Henry Winkler, for example, I did a Comic-Con and did him. I can put him on at any time, you know. So that's how I do I just bank them up, which is, makes it a lot easier. There's never been a week where I'm like, oh, what am I going to put on this week? I just look through 
all the ones that I have in the can. I go, okay, I won't put that one on. But I'll put this one on. Like I'm record one today. It goes on tomorrow. That's a great way of doing it. Well, I think that's probably the only way to make it work if you're doing two a week. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I like it. Like, you know, I'm a journalist. Yeah, I, and I've told you this before. I went to journalism school before I got into wrestling because Jesse the Body Ventura told me I had to get something to fall back onto when I met him on the street corner in Winnipeg. So I said, well, I'll go to journalism school. That's only two years. I can get that done. I like talking to people. Um, I like having conversations with people. And it's just something that um, intrigues me because that's what I love about the long-form interview that a podcast is is that, you know, if I'm doing a press tour, you're about to do one for your book, you know, you get 20 radio stations in three hours, you do 10 minutes on each or seven minutes on each. It sucks because you're given the same answer over and over again. You get asked the same question. I have, I hate that. I love the podcast format where you get 60 minutes or whatever you want to really peel away the layers of the onion and get down in there. And that, that's where you can get some real great guests. And it's not easy. Sometimes some guys don't want to talk. But other times, you know, you can really get some people to open up where they're telling stories or, or telling, you know, things that they've never really gotten into before. And I've had a lot of people that say, you know, this is one of my favorite interviews. I'm really glad that I did this. And that, to me, is the fun part of podcasting. So I like to do two a week because I could probably do three a week if I had to. I've got enough guests in the can and, you know, different ideas. I'm really into the paranormal side of things, the music or, you know, I have my cousin all the time to talk about when we were kids, stupid things we used to do, or just whatever. If I think it's going to be interesting, I'll put it on. And most times people listen to it, so pretty much anything that I have on because they know it's going to be quality. The uh, people that submitted questions for, for me to approach you with on this uh, epic broadcast were wondering about your digital video show. But I'm Chris Jericho? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It's not dead, is it? No, no, it's uh, it's funny because it, it's in 2005, um, I left the WWE because I was getting burned out on wrestling and just the whole company, and you, I didn't want to turn can't, it. Chris, wait, there's no burning out on wrestling. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. Stop it. Stop <laughs> but uh, I, just, I just couldn't, you know, I had no ideas. Things that used to be easy were getting harder, and I didn't want to turn into like a bitter guy in the locker room talking about everything sucks as you slip further and further down the card. So I just took myself out and I went to, um, to Los Angeles to study acting. I wanted to learn the craft. And while I was there, like, you know, I'd go into an audition for one line on CSI, you know, Sheboygan or something. And there'd be 40 guys that look exactly like me reciting one line. And I was just thinking myself like, man, like, I don't have an ego, but, but I'm Chris Jericho. Like, I got some steam. I got a big fan base. I still got to sit here and audition. And then I started thinking, like, well, what if I had no choice? Like, what if I got blackballed from wrestling and I was trying to get into acting? And I, I came up with this concept of, of, of the show, but I'm Chris Jericho. And, and I kind of wrote in some of the ridiculous things that have happened to me in auditions in LA and that sort of thing. So it took me 10 years to sell this show. I started in 2000. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, eight years. I started in 2005. We sold it in 2013 to, uh, to a company in Canada, and we made 10 episodes. And they did really good and got critical acclaim, and we won awards at the Cannes Film Festival and L.A. Podcast Festival and all these places. And then that was it. It was done. And then about a year ago, CBC, which is the biggest network in Canada, bought, uh, bought the show, and we were doing a second season. So it took eight years to get the first season done, four years to get the second season done, 
So maybe in two years we'll get the third season. Wow. Well, <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun show. Yeah, and you persevered though. You know, the thing about these these are small wins, and I think that uh, those of us that are in the creative arts, to some degree, we count small wins as being important. And then when you have a, like me now, I'm on the latter side of my career. I get it. The deal is the new experiences are cool. And that's why this, all this stuff is for me now at 65 and the year I've had, you know, lost my wife, you know, Jan yeah. in March and golly, it's just been like a whirlwind of a year where I'm thinking back on things, Chris. And I think, now, wait a minute, did I do that? Or did I dream that? So yeah. I'm telling you, it's a, you play some funny mind games. I have in the last six or eight months, the, the mind games have been very, very prominent. Well, I mean, it, it's like you said, man, like, um, you know, you talk about little victories and, you know, you're second guessing yourself and all that sort of thing. But, but the more that I realized, like, all of these little victories are also big victories in that, okay, so, but I'm Chris Jericho. I'm writing it. I produced it. Yeah. Uh, the Jericho Cruise, that's mine. Fozzie is mine. Um, you know, book writing, talk, talk as you're like, I don't really like working for anybody anymore. It's getting, you know what I mean? Like you, when you start getting these little victories of like, okay, so I sold this show and it did really good. And I'm the producer and I call the shots with, with some great other people. You know, I'm obviously not going to not take other ideas, but I don't like working for anybody. And after a while, you kind of think like, maybe I should continue getting these small victories that get bigger and bigger. And that way I never have to worry about working for anybody again. I like doing things my way with my ideas and my creativity and not having it stifled in any way. Um, it's kind of fun, you know, and I, I really appreciate that. So I do like doing, you mentioned like being busy and there's challenges, you know, like talking about the cruise again, like fuck, how, the, how do you get a cruise? Like, what do you do? Like, how do I even do that? Is this idea any good? And, you know, I went to the biggest, cruise company in the world, Norwegian, with six men as the promoter that do the Kiss Cruise and the Walking Dead Cruise, and basically, like, went through all these meetings and having, like, an engineer uh, having to go onto the deck of the boat and, and figure out if, if the ring can sit on the deck, and it, is it going to topple overboard, and, you know, all these analysis and all this stuff, and, and all these little things, and then finally, boom, you get it, and you have the cruise, it's like, wow, like, now what do I do? You know what I mean? Like, now I have to actually sell this thing and 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 make it sell out because that's the next step so all of these things i really believe that it happens because and you know this more than anybody when you work in the wwe and when you work for vince mcmahon there's there's a work ethic that gets instilled in you there that's second to none and anybody that comes from that system uh if you have talent you work extra hard and make things happen. And I'm talking about, you know, everybody from Jesse Ventura becoming the governor, Nick Foley becoming a, a number one uh, selling author, or Rock doing what he's done, Batista, John Cena, you, me. Like, we've gone out there and done all of this stuff, but there's a work ethic that's been instilled in us that, that enables that to happen. And that comes from working in the WWE. Absolutely. You're exactly right. You want to come to WWE, not with your hat in your hand, but come with a little bit of, something and you know yeah lot, everybody you mentioned did but you leave better if you if you pay attention and you apply yourself you can leave better in all phases and uh, that's what somebody asked me they said john jr you're 60 something years old and when i left you know and i said well what are you going to do i want to get, get i'm going to be busy that don henley thing is is just resonates with me man 
I'm going to die, and I'm going to die of use, not of rust. <laughs> so, That's the truth, right? And my, yeah, my, my financial advisor, he's so, so reluctant. Once, twice a year, we have to have retirement meetings. He said, well, I, I need your time if you're available for these meetings. So this meeting, I said, what meeting is it? So else do you, that meeting you don't like to have. I said, no, the one that we don't need to have called the retirement meeting. I'm not retiring. Mm-hmm. And do what? Well, yeah. I'll, and that, th- things have changed, too, Jaron. Like, you mentioned that, like, talking about retirement. And that used to be the thing. You know, you work you know, 35 years at the factory. You hit, you know, 55 or 65, wherever it was, and then you retire, and that's it. You go to grow a garden. Dad, I'm not growing a garden. I got no interest in growing a garden. And the cool thing is, is that now age really has just become a number. I love watching how society changes. I went and saw McCartney about a month ago. He's 75. He killed it. He was awesome. I saw the Stones last year. Same thing. They're awesome. And not just for old guys. They're awesome for anybody. And they're on stage, like, living and being alive and doing what they do best. And it's like, why would you ever want to stop doing what you love to do? And it's almost like that was something that was put on society, you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And now, like, we don't have to listen to that anymore because there's guys older than you, 10 years older, on world tours playing stadiums. And I love that because it changes the entire mindset of what society thinks. And that's just happening over the last 10, 15 years, which is great because it shows, like, you know, you can work until the day you die and do what you love to do, and that's the way it should be. You're a DDP yoga guy, right? Yeah, I was. Um, I did Dancing with the Stars in 2011, and at the end of it, I blew up a, her- a disc in my back and herniated it, which obviously I'm sure was 20 years of wrestling leading up to that. But um, it was the worst pain. I don't know if you've ever had that, but you know, you can't sneeze, and you can't bend over, and you-, you can't you know cough or anything. It was so bad, and I had three different doctors tell me that my only goal was to have back surgery and. I just remember Shawn Michaels had back surgery, and he's like, don't ever have back surgery. And um, I got a call from from DDP because he saw that I was talking about it on Twitter, of all places, and said, you know, I will send you this yoga program, but you got to promise to try it. And I was never close with DDP. And at the time, we were friends, but I didn't really have anything to do with them outside of seeing at the shows. And um, I didn't know yoga. Like, what's yoga? It's all for, like, you know, gurus and hippies and, you know, whatever. But I had no choice. I had three doctors tell me you have to have surgery, and acupuncture wasn't helping. I even went for epidurals, uh, all those things. Mm. And then I started doing yoga, and it was horrible at first because I had no um, no elasticity whatsoever. I couldn't stretch. I couldn't bend over. But it slowly got better, and after about a month, the pain went away, and after about three months, it was gone for good. So I totally attribute that to DDP yoga, and that's not a gimmick. That's the truth. If it wasn't for, for, for him and his program, I would have had, I would have had to have back surgery, and who knows what would have happened after that? I mean, I've had some pretty good runs since then, yeah, since 2011, and I think a lot of that's because I never had to have that back surgery. No doubt, when you cut on yeah. and opened up, and you could you could do it uh, naturally. Well, yeah. yeah, he uses our show, I'm sure, as yours to market yep. his products. Well, it works. It, it works. Yeah. It works. Bottom line, it works. And he's going to be on the cruise, as a matter of fact. I see. He is going to be on the cruise. Like I said, I wanted to have a bunch of activities for people to do different things. And, um, you know, you're going to be hosting it, and Paige will be there to do some yoga. And then I brought Nick on. He'll do some comedy. You know, uh, just have guys do what they want to do. I think people in that situation, I mean, as we know from podcasts, fans just like uh, the personal experience, and they like being a fly on the wall. 
the, the live shows that I do are always a success. I know yours are as well, the live podcasts, you know, the, the bands that will be playing. It's just a fun time. And, and I thought, you know, when you go have too much fun at night, you can go do a DVP yoga session in the morning. You know, it's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of variety for everybody. So, um, like I said, Paige and I become really close ever since uh, I started doing this program, and he was happy to, to help out as well. So I got a, good, a great group of guys and girls that um, are going to be aboard. So, like I said, I think it's good. I think that here's what I think. I think the first one is always a little bit tentative, tire kicking. What is this? What's it going to be? And once the first one is done, I think people are going to really appreciate the experience they had. And like I said, I'm expecting this and, and, and working on this to be an annual thing for you know the next five, ten years or whatever we can get, keep it real. I think it's a great concept, and it's, it's just going to be, yeah, a little trial and error, but how bad can it be? You're on a cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, so. you know, and you get get booze and food and sunshine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Some people are like saying, "Well, I don't really like music. I don't like wrestling." That's like, well, who cares? Like, it just—it's a party, man. Like that's the yeah. thing with the Kiss Crew. Like, yeah. you don't even have to go watch anything if you don't want to. Yeah, you just you go hang out. Get out of your room. Sit outside. Yeah. Breathe. Yeah. Fresh air. That's a, it's a cool, it's a <laughs> yeah. cool thing. We're going to talk more about the cruise. And folks, by the way, that's ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I'm reading that yeah. right now, so I know I'm getting it right. ChrisJerichoCruise.com yeah. has all the information you need to know. Really a cool little uh, uh, poster, and I thought you were shooting the finger. Your image is on there, but, you, <laughs> but it's a, it's a, what is that, a Hawaiian, I love you. Uh, yeah, the rock and roll Hawaiian. Oh, rock and roll, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like all of these <laughs> things, you know, it's funny because, it, it, once again, and then this is something that, that you know you know about me. So we're looking at the cruise, and it's like, well, what kind of a design do you want for the cruise? And who do you want to do? Like, what kind of an idea? I said, well, I, I, I love the guys who do the KISS posters for the KISS cruise, and that's the top cruise. So why don't we get the guys who do the art for the KISS cruise to come up with something for me? So that's kind of where that came from. So yeah, start, with, start at the top, right? Yeah. Like, who, that's the way I always am. Like, let's go right to the top and if they say no then we can find somebody else but why not so that's kind of um that's always been my attitude as to getting things done the cruise is going to sail from miami ladies and gentlemen to nassau the bahamas on october 27th through the 31st of 2018 that's next fall i get a lot of people are like oh man it's too quick i'm like you do realize it's a year from now um, actually, Austin even called me. He's like, damn, kid, what are you doing? That's a pretty big thing to put on a month before. I was like, oh, Steve, it's actually in 2018. He's like, oh, okay. I got that text, too. <laughs> yes, I think that damn it, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, it's actually 2018. So people have plenty of time, and I wanted it to be that way. I wanted to give it enough time and not rush it because this is a new concept. So, Yes, it's a year away. It's like, well, how am I supposed to make plans for a year? Well, you know, you're going to know if it's your graduation or if you're going on vacation or, or whatever it may be. So it's just one of those things. If you're going on vacation in 2018 and you like wrestling and you like music and you like good parties, well, then just book it now. And then you, you got it locked in and you know. And if you're not sure, that gives you over a year to get sure and figure it out or save up your money or do whatever it is that you have to do. Because I did not want to rush this. It's too important for the first one to be a hit. Uh, for so many reasons that I thought if I had a choice between six months and a year and change, let's do the year and change because then I know 
that I've got enough time to put all the promotion work and all the stuff that I need, you know, the right the right lineup and, and all that sort of stuff. Because it's actually pretty funny because we were going to announce this back in April for January 2018, and about two days before we were going to announce, we lost the boat. You misplaced it or what? Yeah, they misplaced the cruise ship. No, somebody, they never really told us too much information, but what I surmise is that a big corporation wanted to do a cruise, let's say McDonald's maybe or Walgreens or somebody, and said, what do you have available in the cruise line? Well, we got this wrestling cruise, but we don't even really know what it is, so take their boat. Don't worry about it. And I was like, don't we have some kind of a contract for that? And it's like, we do, but Norwegian uh, cruise lines can do whatever the hell they want, basically. So we lost the boat, and that was crushing, like, now what? Now what do I do? I've already spent a year on this, and now it's gone. But you just, you know, pull up your pants and put on your big boy hat and say, okay, well, what are the options? And that's when I was like, okay, this next one, I want a year to really plan this and not rush it. And that's what we did. Yeah, you got to be aware, Chris, those uh, Norwegians and those aquatic ventures. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, those horrible uh, Norwegians. Oh, it, reminds me, it reminds me of when they bought uh, Tony Holmey in as the evil Finnish guy in the WWE and said, oh, those horrible fins, you know, the horrible relationship we have with the fins. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Americans are going to hate them. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like a, a more current version is uh, we we all know how much the the North Americans despise the Bulgarians. Hence, we should automatically <laughs> dislike uh, Rusev. Yeah, exactly. Those horrible Bulgaria, yeah. Damn Bulgarians again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, folks, I got, we're going to talk more about the cruise. i got to take a little time out here and uh, hear from... One of the folks that makes this podcast possible, and that is True Car. When you're looking to buy a new car, you want to feel comfortable that you're getting a fair price. Because, come on, let's be honest about it. We know that on most situations, investing in an automobile is not our best investment. So, by the simple fact that we must have an automobile to exist, seemingly, I can't imagine not having my wheels. You want to make sure that you're getting a fair price. You're getting a great value for your price. True Car, you get information that empowers you folks uh, with the pricing context that lets you see what other people in your area paid for the car that you want to buy. That's simple. They do all the grunt work, all the legwork. They get you the information you need to make a good buying decision. You'll see this pricing long before you get to the dealership. You know what you're going to do when you get there. And with True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing when you're ready to buy a new car. It's really simple. Don't overthink this one here. This is easy now. There's no JR on this deal. When you're ready to buy a new car, simply visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Comprende? Well, I remember that uh, some features are not available in in all states. Uh, 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 uh. Jen, God, Jen, please. My name is Raven, professional wrestling superstar, raconteur extraordinaire, and master of the Lombada, the Forbidden Dance. Come join me and my sidekick, Busby, for a live, live podcast of The Raven Effect. Yes, sirree, The Raven Effect, my podcast with Busby. That's live, 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 live on Thursday, October 5th at 9.30 as part of the L.A. Podcast Festival Preview Night at the Hollywood Improv. Come join us for this most momentous occasion. Tickets are just $15. That's it? I think we should charge more. Eh. Anyway, they're available at hollywood.improv.com. 
hollywood.improv.com. Again, it's the Raven Effect live. <coughs> Easy for you to say. Head to Hollywood Improv on Thursday, October 5th at 9.30 p.m. Go to hollywood.improv.com for tickets and a free cookie. But there's no free cookie? Oh, well, quote the Raven, nevermore. I'm enjoying our conversation with Chris Jericho. I do want to remind you guys that hit that subscribe button at Apple Podcasts. And that way you never miss an episode of our show. The Ross Report will be coming your way free every Tuesday night at 9 Eastern on the device of your choosing. All you got to do is hit the subscribe button at Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, leave us a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and a piece of pie. That's a big help. And it does, seriously, helps us. And I know I'm told to say this, and I do, and I understand. Big piece of pie. Apple Podcast. This is the Ross Report. All right, back with Chris Jericho. I'm excited about this this cruise uh, scenario, folks. Check it out. Go to uh, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. ChrisJerichoCruise.com, uh, and get all the info. It's it's in October of 2018. It's a year from now. Uh, it's got a very impressive lineup already, and and for some reason I haven't seen on here. In the finite print, uh, line-up subject to change. <laughs> As you're putting this monstrosity of a promotion together, it's too big for land. It's too big for well, land. Yeah, it, it, it's so big it had to go out to sea. He did. And, and do, you, do you find yourself kind of being your own little Vince McMahon in your own world or a little bit? Come on. Well, I mean, it's funny. The one thing, and like I said, like to me, it was this whole, I want to put together the best possible lineup I could put. Like, you know, talking about Steve Austin, I would love to ask Steve to come on, but, you know, Steve's going to cost a pretty big chunk of change, deservedly so. Maybe, you know, for the second round when I have, you know, a bigger budget, but it's like, I, I wanted, like I said, I was really cognizant, and this is not just phone because you're on the phone, but I said, if I can get, uh, Ring of Honor, or, or actually NXT was another one I pitched to, and, and Ring of Honor was the one we went with. But if I can get NXT, or sorry, uh, Ring of Honor, and uh, a couple bands, and if I can get Jim Ross to host, if I have those three things, I think I got a really good cornerstone that I can build upon. Because, you know, people know your name and they know your reputation, and I just think that, that I thought it was a nice fit to have, you know, hosted by you. And then, you know, I put together the rest of the show, and I've got so many people now. Once that the cruise lineup was released, I'm seeing probably, I don't know, half a dozen to a dozen texts, emails, calls, Facebooks, whatever. Hey, can, can you book my band? Can you book me as a wrestler? Can you book me as a comedian? Can, can I come on and do this? And it's like, you know, everybody's coming out of the woodwork wanting to be a part of it. And that's a pretty cool thing to know that there's enough uh, of a buzz about it that everyone wants to get on it. But pretty much the, uh, the uh, safe is closed as far as the talent. I got a couple more in the chamber, and then uh, and then that's about it. Then we're just going to have to go with what we have, which I think is a pretty damn good lineup. Yeah, real good. It's going to be a pretty damn good time with everybody involved and give people a lot of activities, a lot of experiences, um, and a lot of fun. Special guests include Diamond Dallas Page, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Ray Mysterio, Raven. And Raven will also have his uh, psychiatric care unit available. He'll be the, he's a he's a, he's a cruise psychologist. Why me, uh, Raven? Little yeah. Scotty, he'll be there. It'll be fun to see him. The busted open radio crew. That's that's a big get. 
They're good guys. They got a huge media footprint. They do a great job every Monday through Friday on, on Sirius XM. Good guys. Yeah, well, once again, you know, learning from our fearless positives, it's like, okay, well, I need to get people, A, that have some value to people that are going to go on the show, on the cruise, but also how can they help me promote? Well, okay, Jim Ross is a huge podcast. Uh, Killing the Town with Lance and Don, uh, Conan's show, they do big numbers. The Beyond the Darkness, the paranormal podcast I was telling you about, they're coming on to do some paranormal talks, which is always fun, ghost stories and that sort of thing. They've got huge numbers. And then the Busted Open guys... I was like, wow, five days a week, the biggest wrestling show in North America on Sirius XM. It can't hurt to have those guys talking about this cruise every single day, five days a week. And, you know, that's what, it, what you have to do for something like this is you have to make it like WrestleMania. It's the place to be. Well, what's going to happen? It doesn't matter. It's the place to be. The Super Bowl, Stanley Cup, it's a, you know, it's a Stones concert. Like, it doesn't matter what they play or what happens. It's an event that you have to go to. And that's what I'm building on for this, that, you know, the rock and wrestling rage. It's like, well, who's on? What doesn't matter? You know, it's going to be a blast. It's so much fun. It's always a great lineup. Let's buy our tickets now. And the more people talk about it, the more that gets in their head. You know, perception becomes reality. That's the whole basis of what the wrestling business is all about. You, you are promoting and building up the expectations to the match. Sometimes it doesn't even matter what happens in the match. It's the storyline and the buildup. And the match sometimes is a little bit of a letdown. But it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you know, it's the adage that the, the old timers used to say, well, I got your money, kid. And you don't think that way, but it's the bills, you know. And that's what I'm interested in is, is making this the, the number one place to be in October of 2018. If you're going on vacation anywhere and you don't come on, on the Rock and Wrestling Razor, you're making a mistake. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. That's why you should check out ChrisJerichoCruise.com for more information. Are you getting. Are you happy with the feedback that is generated in the infancy of its, uh, you know? Cause I am. Yeah, I, I am. There's, there's so much buzz about it. And I think a lot of people, too, are still figuring out what exactly it is and, and still hearing about it, you know. Um, but I think a lot of people thought, oh, yeah, it's going to be like the Bruce Cruise. I'm like, it's nothing like the Bruce Cruise. I remember going on one of those. And you, I think I don't even remember doing anything. You just kind of hang around with people and maybe do a signing or something. And it's like, this is this is an actual tournament at sea, you know, and that's something that's, it's the first time it's ever been done, by the way, but this has never happened before, which is another Vince McMahon. He loves the first time ever. Exactly. Well, this is the first time ever, uh, a, a wrestling matches on sea and the tournament and having that. And then also too, you mentioned all the guys, the hall of famers and, and all the podcasters, but I got some great comedians, Jim Brewer, one of the funniest guys in America, you know, excellent live, a huge comedian. I got Brad Williams who's one of the best up and coming, uh, comedians is going to be here. Um, you know, and then the bands that we have, it's Fozzie, it's King, it's Phil Campbell, uh, from Motorhead, who's a new band that after Lemmy passed away, he's coming on the cruise. And, you know, I, just like I got a female ACDC cover band because I thought that was cool. Like, oh, wow, that'd be something fun. I want, I want to see them. So I'll book them on the show. So just a lot of different stuff like that of just making it a variety uh, so that anywhere you go, you're going to have something fun to do. And it's not just about wrestling. If you don't like wrestling, there's plenty of other stuff. If you don't like, you know, music, well, then there's, it's just, uh, it's an experience is what I'm promoting. And I think that's um, the vibe of, of what we're talking about is, is what's going to treat people to come on board uh, the ship. You're selling me on, man. I'm, I'm in. I, I, I like the concept. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. This whole thing could be a reality show. Well, yeah, I thought about that too. You know, we actually were talking with Access TV about doing something on the cruise, and that's another thing too. You talk about the reaction. 
the fans' reactions have been great, but actually the press. There's been a lot of press, and we've actually got a lot of kind of like um, a lot of kind of big advertising moguls getting involved now that want to do, you know, different things like radio moguls that want to put on like 2,000 ads between now and the end of the year, and all this sort of stuff of people like realizing like, if you can make something cool, like the place to be then everything joins in. Everybody else joins in. Like I said, like you tell me about WrestleMania. I'm sure WrestleMania 1, as we know, was not a hit at first. Vince was, you know, worried that the company was going to maybe not be finished, but be financially crippled. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a hit, and suddenly WrestleMania, everybody wants to go. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, you know, if the cruise isn't a success, it's not going to be good, but I can't see it being anything other than a success and then once the first one's in the books and people enjoy it and, and it does really well, then you, you're golden. But anytime you have to do something new, it's never easy. You know, being, being the first person to do anything is, is never easy. But, you know, Brian Tillman told me years ago, if you want to make it in this business, you got to do something that's never been done before. And that's what I'm doing, something that's never been done before. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting, you know, my money where my mouth is. I'm doing this because it's something that I would want to do if I wasn't on this side of the coin. If I was a fan, I would go on this cruise because it's, it's, it's everything of what I like. And I know there's thousands and millions of people that feel the same way about, about what I like that, that, that they do. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's nothing strange or nothing uh, unusual. Music and wrestling, it's good stuff. And, and, <laughs> and, and look, and interacting and, and getting to know people. I looked at that list while you were talking. I was looking at your list again. And all the guys, from my experience, that you're bringing on board from the wrestling side are guys that are fan friendly. They're guys that, that have no issues dealing with fan base, taking a selfie, signing something, you know, all that stuff It's just freely interacting. That's how I've always been. Cause I'm still a wrestling fan. I enjoy hearing what people got to say by and large, that's less they're just drunker than I am. Then it's not that much. Fun. <laughs> but you know, what I noticed when we did the kiss cruise once again was the first day, Everybody wants pictures, you know. Oh my God, it's Chris, it's Fozzie. Oh, let's do this. Then the second day, hey, there's Chris. And then the third day, you're just another guy on the cruise. Everybody's just friends at that point in time, and that's the fun part of it. Like, you know, once people get a chance to take a picture and say hi, then it's just you're just gambling or have a drink or get a bite to eat or whatever you want to do. It's just a cool, it's a cool vibe and a cool experience. And once again, the, the moment I walked off, I vividly remember. Pulling into Miami after the, the Kiss Cruise, we went to Jamaica, and getting off the boat and calling my manager and saying, "I got this idea. I want to do a rock and wrestling cruise. And then how how do we go about doing this?" And that's where it all started, you know. And, and the thing is, too, like you're talking about like the Walking Dead cruise, right? Like, what do they do on that? Like, there's no zombies on it. It's just the actors, and I think you know they have panels, and it's like you said, it's just the experience and being around other like-minded people. And that's what, that's what this cruise is going to be. Just a bunch of people that enjoy the same thing, you know, just hanging out together. And that's, that's the Kiss Cruise is like that. It's just a great camaraderie. Like, all of these people are just diehard Kiss fans or diehard Walking Dead fans or diehard, you know, wrestling fans that, that love, that like music and like to party and like to hang out. Who doesn't like that, you know? And, um, and I also wanted to, we got a lot of great, you know, the Hall of Fame side of things. And then also some of the hottest, independent wrestlers in the world as well. So I've got, like, the two generations. Like, if you like wrestling, it's not just, you know, like, going to a convention where you're seeing, the, like, all those guys. 
it's a combination. You can see the legendary guys, and then you can see like some of the top guys that basically are choosing not to go to WWE because they love doing things their way and see what they're going to come up with in the middle of the ocean. Who knows, man? Yeah. I'm almost curious to see. You're a fan. You have amazing opportunities to interact. The Q&A, the never-ending Q&A, essentially, because you're going to see people all, all over the ship. Hi, how you well, doing? You, know, you said you, you get to know people. It's a, it's really yeah. a unique experience. And I think fans are going to really flock to it once, as you said, Chris. Once they understand a little of the concept and all the things that will be made available to them, I think people are going to jump all over it because it's not just a one-dimensional wrestling cruise. It's not just a rock cruise. It's not just a paranormal cruise or a comedy right. cruise. It's it's a little bit of everything uh, in those areas. Yeah. You know, and, and something I'm worried about is it's neither fish nor fowl, but that's, I don't care. Like, this is this is the way I want it, and this is the way I believe I believe in this. And you know, it's like you said, like you're talking about the experience of. I remember when the, the, the cruise was like I'm gambling with fans, or just like, I'm just like you know, it's two in the morning, I'm walking around, we're just at the bar and drinking, became friends with people. Like this is not just a signing where it's very sterile and take your picture, and move on to the next thing. Like, okay, we're gonna have that have the signs, the meet and greets for the people that you want. But then there's a chance. I mean, it's not a big boat. There's 2,500 people on it. You're going to run into everybody. And, you know, and, and the way I figured it is like, if you don't want to run into people, then just don't leave your cabin. But it's a cruise. I want to go everywhere. And so I was hanging out with everybody. And so it was a lot of different guys. And that's part of it, too. Like, wow, I got to actually hang out and have a beer with, with JR. Uh, you know, or I played some blackjack with, with Jericho or, or, you know, whatever it is that it may be. That's something that, that you can never pay for. That's just a, an experience that you can only get on something like this where, where you're not just there for an hour, two hours, you're there for four days. Yeah. So we're going to run into each other quite a bit, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's kind of part of the, the appeal of it. Well, you know, once the word gets out that I'm going to be on that cruise, the uh, ladies from FarmersOnly.com, some may be plus sized, but don't let that fool you, kid. <laughs> well, you're a good old country boy. Well, I'm now I got a, this newly evolved bachelor life, you know. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. you're uh, you know once the, the grieving is done, and, and God bless Jan, she was awesome. Uh-huh. And you know that, but she would want you to get back out there. And this, oh yeah, you know, no, look she, out, Jr. No, she's encouraging <laughs> me right now. Her work is at foot right now, getting me back out there in the. Amongst them, as we would say in Oklahoma, amongst them. Something that I thought was pretty cool when, when you know, you agreed to come, because we were in the midst of all this when, when, when Jan passed away, and then obviously the last thing you want to do is like, okay, well, everything's done, but then that was not what you wanted to do. You wanted to get back on the horse and get out there, and that's that's another reason why I thought I'm glad that you're coming. It's going to be fun for you to get out there, and I know that you have been, been busy too, but it gives all of us a chance, even though we'll be working, so to speak, uh, to have some fun. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a cruise, man. I mean, the worst part, you know, it could be a lot worse. Oh yeah, yeah, I couldn't really. Look, okay, I'm, 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 I'm very happy and, and thankful for my booking, and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll have a lot of fun. I can promise you that. You're doing all these entrepreneurial things because I want to talk about your book too in a moment. But mm-hmm. all this stuff is not. You're not saying in a, indirectly that well, I'm kind of done on the wrestling side. I, don't, I think I'm, I'm not probably going to have any more matches. You're not. You're not there, are you? No, no, never, never. I mean, as a matter of fact, this last run that I had in 2016 with, with Kevin Owens and the Festival of Friendship and all that stuff, 
was one of my favorite runs, one of my top two favorite runs, you know, and I love, really, I love working for Vince McMahon. I've got got a great relationship with him now uh, and have over the last five or six years. It's actually fun. I get to see the the fun side of Vince and the creative side where I can go in there and disagree and, and, and agree and not have to worry about any of the other, you know, it's funny. I think a lot of the producers and agents don't like it when Jericho's around because they'll say, well, I'm not sure if we should do that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go talk to Vince then. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I say, that's okay. I got it. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you know, you know. So, but, but, but that's on Vince's insistence. You know, if you have any questions Absolutely. or anything that you don't like, you come talk to me. I don't care when it is you come talk to me. And, and that's, that's a good position to be in. And then with all the young guys that are coming through the system now, it reminds me a lot of, of my guys, you know, of, of the Deans and the Eddies and the Chris's and the Mysterios and those guys. They're all really good workers and they're all trying and they all just care about the match, not about the ego. Um, a lot of them still need some help as far as experience as they should. I mean, it's one thing I have that, that, that nobody in that company has now at this point is, is the amount of experience that I have. But combine kind of the young attitude with, with the way that I put together matches, it was, it was so much fun. Like, it was one of the best times I've had. Um, but it was a good time to leave. I knew that Fozzie was getting back on the road, that we have a new album coming out. I knew my book was coming out. Um, you know, lots of other stuff that came up along the way, but I'm Chris Jericho that we talked about and the cruise and all these other things that there's even more that I could go into, but we won't bog it down. So it was a good time to leave. And, um, to me, when, when, when the time is right and there's an idea, then I'm all in, but I'm not so much concerned about the matches anymore. I still love working. I still have great matches. I sometimes still have the best match of the show, but to me, it's the storyline. And, and the angle and the, the characters behind it. That's why I love the Kevin Owens thing because he got such a great character and he came up with such a great storyline that once that storyline ended, I was like, okay, I need to get away for a while because there's, there's nothing that can compare to that. So instead of going straight into something else, it's good just to step aside for a bit and, uh, think of, think of somebody else that I can work with along the way. But when that time comes, I'm sure I'll be back. Uh, but until then, I'm still so busy that you're going to see me all the time. Anyways, the Kevin Owens thing, I really enjoyed that storyline from start to finish. I thought it was very good. You guys always delivered, which was important to me. Being an old timer, I still believe that, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, bell to bell, you got to be able to give me something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're supposed to do that. Yeah. You, and that's why you're getting paid good money, and that's why you're in the position you're in, uh, so you can do this great stuff that, that very uh, that very few other people in the world can do. And so uh, I thought it was really well done. Did you bypass a lot of layers of, for lack of a better term, bureaucracy to get what you wanted in the ring accomplished as far as the agents and with creative? Yeah. Were you able to get more of your own stuff in than maybe other guys might normally? Well, I mean, that just comes with, with, with the experience and the trust. The Vince trusts my judgment. And, you know, I don't always get my way, and nor should I. And sometimes Vince, Vince is the boss, and what he says goes. And I, I appreciate that and respect it, but I always know that if I have an idea or I have a concept that I believe in, and I talk to Vince about it, and he agrees, we're done. And that happened a couple times. There's two separate examples I can think of when we came up with an idea, and Vince and I talked about it, and then the next week, and you're not even going to believe that I'm going to say this, Vince wasn't there. Sometimes he misses TV, small, normal, and it got changed. And I was like, this is not what Vince and I discussed. He's like, well, we think it's better this way. It's like, I don't think it's better that way at all. I think it's worse. 
well, this is the way things go. I said, I'm going to call Vince right now. He's on a plane. Well, then I'll text him. And, you know, five minutes later, a little bit of a debate, and it got changed back both times to the way that, that I pitched it to Vince and the way that, that he agreed upon it, which I love. You know, I'm sure, once again, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are glad that I'm not there because I don't listen to anybody but Vince. He's my boss, and I'm talking about anybody because he's the boss. That's end of story. And until the day he's not the boss, I don't deal with anybody else because they still have to go through him anyways. So why even bother, you know? And I think that um, sometimes that might ruffle feathers, but I don't care. It's, it, it's Vince is the guy that makes the decisions, and if he told me that he agrees on something, and obviously he changed his mind, but the ideas that were given to me were worse than the ones that he had already approved, so I got it changed back. So, that, I mean, that's th- there is some bureaucracy that I'm skipping because I have that right after working for him for 17 years. But it's not like I'm just walking around breathing fire on everybody. Obviously, other ideas come up, and there's a lot of very smart people there that I love working with and collaborating with. But if I ever have a question or an issue, I just go talk to, to the boss, and he'll either say yes or no, and then we're done. We don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Okay, we can go on to the next thing, right? I can tell you that you know, coming out of WCW with the, with the booking committee and so many voices to be heard in the you know the administrative yeah. end of things, and then coming to WWE in 90 three it was just amazing because you could get one guy to give you an answer and that was vince in the other environment in atlanta more often than not the last guy you talked to kind of had the answer it was not good it was yeah i mean I, I, I went i went through it as well you know weren't really sure who the boss was yeah I, I didn't have any steam there at all or even any real power i was just there for three years as a unknown guy to the masses in the, in the united states but you know, if I had a question, you know, do I go to Bischoff? Do I go to Sullivan? You know, Hogan is involved. Sometimes Hall and Nash are involved. And that happened all the time where I didn't really know who I was supposed to go talk to. And that rubs off on you. I remember when when um, I was working with the fake Goldberg, which is something I just showed up one day and, and there was a pay-per-view. And I said, well, I'm not booked in the pay-per-view. I said, no, you're going to work... Uh, Goldberg. I'm like, really? Because I was a TV champ. I'm like, yeah, there he is. It's like Midget Goldberg, whatever. <laughs> and I started mocking Goldberg, and Goldberg didn't like it and decided that he wanted to uh, just beat me. And I stood up for myself. I had some steam as a heel, and I was the champion, the TV champion, but still. I said, well, why is he going to beat me? People are into this. I created this whole thing where it was Jericho 4, Greenberg 0, because I'd beaten the Midget twice, and then I called him out and he didn't show up when I knew he wasn't there and got a count out victory and you know, all that other stuff. So, um, they, they, but Bill didn't like it. And then that was it. I was going to lose to him. I remember he was in Phoenix. He's going to lose to Goldberg tonight. I'm like, really? Why? Well, like, what are we doing? It's a, like a 30 second squash. And I was like, no, like, why? Let's, let's do a pay per view match and, you know, do like a six or seven minute squash match or like do one of those old Pat Tanaka squash matches where it's so awesome. If you remember seeing, you know, the Road Wars versus Pat Kanak and Paul Diamond as like one of the best squash matches of all time. It's just a super entertaining, you know, Pat doing all the bumps that he used to do. Uh-huh. And they didn't want that. And I remember, I remember the WCW. I remember I went and hid in the rafters of, of the Phoenix Arena, whatever it was called, uh, until showtime. And they couldn't find me. And they're like, well, I guess we've got to change the match. But you would never be able to get away with that in WWE, right? Wow. No. And then the next next week I show up in Long Island and they wanted to do it again. And I had to have a meeting. This is Chris Jericho in 1998. 
I'm a 27-year-old nobody. And I had a meeting with Goldberg, Bischoff, and Hulk Hogan, explaining to them why it was wrong for me to lose to Goldberg, who was tearing everybody apart. Like, what a lunatic I was. Like, gosh, like, but that was the conviction that I had, because I knew that I was right, that this angle was something that was cool. And actually, Hogan was the one that said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, instead of having him squash me, let me call him out. He's not there. I'll, I'll walk down the aisle. He shows up in the meantime, and we see kind of a split screen where he's trashing the dressing room, shows up. He's walking to the grill position. I'm walking away with my back, drinking in the cheers of the people. I turn around, he runs down the aisle and spears me down the aisle. Boom. You know, just destroys me. And then the next week, we have this pay-per-view match where he gives me like the biggest squash match of all time, and he beats me. And Hogan was like, well, do that then. That's what Hulk said. He wasn't, he, he, not Bishop the Goldberg. And we did the angle, and it worked out really good. And Goldberg killed me with his spear. He must have speared me about 20 feet down the aisleway. I remember I borrowed elbow pads from Billy Kidman because I was like, I'm going to be landing on the cement on my elbows on this one. And obviously, Bill wasn't happy, and he crushed me. But I got a great reaction. And afterwards, I remember being in the Nassau Coliseum at the um, Unionville, the, the arena there. And uh, Hogan always had his own dressing room. And I was in the, you know, the low-level cabin dressing room with all the you know, 68 guys in the dressing room so that, that Hall and Mass can have their own dressing room and Hogan can have their own dressing room. But um, someone goes, yeah, Hogan's looking for you for me. And I walked on the corner, and he was in our dressing room. And was like, I was like, just in front of everybody, he shook my hand and said, you, you were right. You were right, and, and, and you made the right call. You know, I'm glad we did it that way. And I'll never forget that, how cool it was that Hulk Hogan came into the dressing room with all the stalkers like me and shook my hand in front of everybody and told me that I was right. It was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. You know? Why not? Heck yeah. It would be a, a hell of a cool moment, you know, for, yeah. for a guy like him. And, and it certainly gave you some street cred. Not that you yeah. didn't have any, but it's, it didn't hurt nothing. It gave me some street cred. and made me realize that sometimes you got to stand up for yourself. Because I knew I was right. This wasn't a matter of not wanting to lose. Fuck, of course, of course I'll lose to Goldberg. I mean, gosh, no problem. But it was in the way they just wanted to throw away this, this angle that had actually gotten over where Jimmy Hart taught me that you can't make people write signs. Like, if you say something and people bring a sign with your name on it or a catchphrase, because that's real. Like, you can't make somebody do that. They just do it. And there was all these signs in the crowd of Jericho 4, Greenberg 0, and, you know, Goldberg's going to kill Jericho. I was like, this is over. And in WCW 98, there wasn't a lot of stuff that was over. Why don't we just work this and then make people pay to see Bill tear my head off? I remember I was even going to... I had a, I was going to wear these, these dress shoes that they were also kind of like boots. And I was practicing where I would untie it and uh, hike the heel out of it, like hike my foot out of the heel, so that when he speared me, I was going to kick my foot and the, and the shoe would go into the crowd <laughs> to where, like, you know, Goldberg speared me out of my shoe. Amazing impact, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right? Like, as an announcer, like, I would tell you that, like, whoever it was, like, damn it. He's going to steer me out of my shoes. Like, what a great way to end this whole thing and shut up this loudmouth. But they didn't want to do that. And I was like, this is not right. If, if, if you guys won't let me do this angle, then I've got no chance here in WCW. I was just fucking good now. So, it, like you said, it gave me some strength and gave me a little bit of confidence to know that sometimes you're going to stand up for yourself. And if you're willing to die on that mountain and it works, then you're just going to – people are going to trust you in different ways. Yeah, yeah. If you're willing to, if you're willing to die on the mountain and you have the courage to – to stand up for your own convictions. And you, you always did. You always had that. You know, uh, 
I, just, I thought the other day, I got one of these brain fart things. And I'm thinking, Jerry Briscoe and I met with Chris Jericho there in uh, yeah. Tampa. Then my mind went blank about the name of this damn place, right? I'm, I remembered it eventually, Bombay Bicycle Club. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> Bombay Bicycle Club. And that's where the three of us had our, our little set down to see if how interested you were in coming to the other side and how, the, how interested the other side was in you coming over. We, yeah, man. I don't remember any part of those negotiations that we had being sticky uh, that I can recall. Although we kind of, you know, the normal bumps and bruises you get through on negotiating when you're talking about money. But I think uh, yeah. I think you made the right move. The, we did. The, the, the funny thing is for me, and first of all, I remember that meeting like not like it was only yesterday, but it doesn't feel like it was you know 17 years ago or whatever it was. But um, I I I grew up in, in Winnipeg, so. In Canada, it was all AWA until Vince took it over, and it was all WWE. I didn't know anything about WCW. I used to see them in the after mags. and kind of knew who Ric Flair was because I think he worked with Bockwinkle in Winnipeg once. But I didn't know any of those guys. I had zero connections, zero interest, really didn't care about WCW. But in 1996, when they called me, WWE wasn't knocking down my doors. I think nobody even knew who the hell I was. I couldn't. I couldn't even get a, a number. The one thing I had was I'd worked for Cornette and Smoky Mountain, and he left to work for WWE. He called me one day. He goes, hey, we got this thing. Uh, we're doing, um, they're not really job guys, but they're job guys. But they're going to have a gimmick, so you won't ever win matches, but at least you'll have a gimmick. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really sound too enticing. And he's like, well, I'll mark you down yes with an asterisk. So I'm like, mark me down no with an asterisk. Like, I'm not, I'll get there on my own time. And that was around the time when you guys had uh um, uh, the pug, yeah. T.L. Hopper, the goon, Freddie, Joe Ford, and I, I, I'm almost convinced, Jim, that they had me earmarked to play the goon. Maybe because you know any Canadian guy from yeah. Canada would have been wearing a stupid goon outfit with, yeah. you know, <laughs> but but you know I wasn't getting any interest from WWE or even really knowing who I was. So I took the chance to go to WCW, and you know I kind of was following the, the Japan guys that we had worked with Eddie and Chris and Dean and those guys and then Mysterio and them. So that's what kind of my friends were, but I had no, no interest in staying in WCW. My goal was if I go work for WCW for three years, maybe then the WWE will call me. And that's basically what happened. So, so at that point in time, when I kind of worked myself up into being a little bit of a commodity and, and you guys showed some interest, I was like, well, there's really no, there's no contest here. And, WCW gave me some weird offer that wasn't really guaranteed, but if, you know, if the numbers are up and you get this and you get that, it was something like, it could have been like 900 grand a year or whatever. And I was, I don't care. You make it 9 million a year. I'm going to WWE. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, there's no doubt about it. So that's basically what it was. And Bischoff got mad at me. He was yelling and screaming at me. And Vince called me and he was being real nice on the phone. I was like, well, I got one guy telling me I'm a piece of shit. And I got Vince McMahon telling me that he really wants me to come to come there and then here's something crazy jim and you were there do you remember when i came to vince's house for the booking meeting yeah so at the time don Callis was working for wwe and vince russo was asking him about me and don called me and i had a conversation with vince and in uh vince russo and i think it was like april of 90 99. My deal wasn't up until August 99. I flew from Chicago Nitro to uh, LaGuardia. I got picked up by Vince's old limo driver, Tommy, and he took me out to Stanford. 
to Vince's house, the only time I've ever been there. Mm-hmm. Knock on the door, Shane answers. Oh, hi, I'm Shane McMahon. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I go inside, and you guys are having a booking meeting. You used to have the booking meetings at Vince's house, right? Right, yep. And it was Vince and Russo and Bruce and you and Ed Ferrara and maybe Bill Banks or some other guy. Now, yeah, that was, and, a, that was a rarity for me because I was basically there just to make sure that my talent was ushered in and out and through and around, okay, meaning you, to interface better with the creative guy. So that was always a little bit of a tug-of-war, so to speak. But, but, but think about that, though. Like, I was under contract to WCW, sitting in on a WWE Raw booking meeting. Like, crazy, right? I remember one time you guys were going over a finish, and it's like, I, I'm thinking it was D'Lo Brown or somebody, and it's like, well, we think D'Lo, D'Lo should go over and... And then Vince looked at me and was like, what do you think, Chris? <laughs> like, um, yeah, sure, deal should go over. Good guy. Like, what, am I, what, am I doing, what am I doing there? And I asked Vince that years later. We were on his plane flying from Orlando to New York. We were having some drinks and shooting the breeze and listening to the stones. And I was like, why did you bring me to your house? And he said, I wanted to know if I could trust you. He said, if, if, if word got out that you're at my house, I would know that it was you and whatever, if that was his reason or not, that was the reason that he gave me. Like, well, okay, he wondered if you could trust me at a booking meeting at your house. Like, just one of the weirdest things, the most random of things, but that, was, that, that helped make my decision a lot easier as well. You mentioned growing up in Winnipeg. One of your Winnipegians, Kenny Omega, is making a big splash in, in New Japan. Are you tuned in to his work? Do you, have you seen much of it? And I'm only asking because the three guys that I can recall the three that have Winnipeg roots – Piper and you and now and now uh, Kenny Omega, where does he stand in your your lexicon of wrestlers? Or does no, he? He, he? He does. I mean, and the thing is, obviously, you know, your hometown guy, right? Um, and you, he's he's my hometown guy, so obviously, I take an interest in him. I really discovered him about last year around this time, just hearing how good he was doing, and found out he was from Winnipeg, and then. Um, just to see his work. And the thing is that people think like, okay, he does take some pretty crazy bumps, but then again, so have I, you know, back, back in my younger days. Um, and so is everybody when you have that style. He's like the evolution though. Like Piper was his style. And I'm kind of like a modern version of Piper in a lot of ways. And Kenny's like a modern version of me in a lot of ways because he's got a great personality. He, he, he works like a mofo, as you know, but he's got a lot of psychology, too. And that's one thing I love about New Japan that a lot of people dismiss and don't really know. Oh, there's no psychology there. That's total bullshit. There's a lot of psychology there. And Kenny is their best guy um, from, from, from what I've watched and what I've seen, in my opinion. Um, and maybe I'm a little biased because he's from Winnipeg, but I, I think he's, 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 um, he makes things happen, you know, and, and he's got a lot of buzz. And I'm, I'm happy. You know, there's, there's a Winnipeg tradition. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, Canada, so many great wrestlers. And, yeah, the majority are from Toronto or, of course, in Calgary. But I would put our Winnipeg three. You pick three <laughs> people from any city, and I'll put our three up. And I would say that it'd be hard-pressed to tell me three people from New York City, three people from Charlotte, three people from Calgary, or whatever it may be, that have the amount of talent that Piper, Jericho, and Omega have. You know, and let's wait 10 years to see where Ken ends up with his career. But the amount of money that Piper and I made, the amount of great matches, great promos, all this other stuff, you put it all together, I would challenge, and this is, goes to all your listeners and anybody that, that's, that's checking it out, name three guys. Maybe Minnesota, Robbinsdale, 
I know that you guys in, 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 in Oklahoma or maybe Dallas or whatever, there's some guys, but it's a pretty, uh, pretty impressive trio from Winnipeg, that's for sure. Bet, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, it really is. For information on the cruise, it's chrisjerichocruise.com. Simple as that. Yeah. And, and the, the cruise is October of 2018. I'm sure we'll be talking much more about it between now and then. I don't know if you paid any attention to it. Leading into the main event at No Mercy, it was uh, Lesnar and Strowman, right? So, yeah. the universal title. I thought all the time going in that it looked to me like Vince refocused his vision on Roman Reigns and Lesnar at WrestleMania might be the match. Just saying, I, I don't know that. I'm just feeling, look, observing. But uh, how do you like the way that Strowman has been booked? And is it important or not that Roman Reigns be made a embraceable babyface? Well, first of all, I you know working with Reigns, is another guy in that 2016 crew. What a what a great worker! Like I love working with him, and great personality. Like he's one of my favorite guys. We got pretty close over the last six or seven months. There, super funny guy, great worker, smart thinker. You know, he's, he's been painted with the same brush that Cena was painting, where people think it's cool to boo him, but there's nothing to boo. And the guy, he, he works his ass off. He's great, and, and whatever. I think, I think Vince is a lot like me. Like he's going to do it until it works, not because any other reason other than he's really stubborn and he's going to try it this way and he'll try it that way and he'll try it that way and he'll try it this way because when it does work and it will because Roman's too good for it not to. He's going to stand by and go, see, I told you. I told all you guys. It's, it's like a couple of years ago when they had the, the women go on last at Hell in Cell. I don't think Vince is really too into it. And the match wasn't great. The match, I think it was Charlotte and Sasha. It just didn't click and it wasn't great. And I know for a fact that Vince is probably saying, all right, everybody here that says the women go on last, stop it because they're not. This is, this is the way it is. I gave it a shot. It didn't work. And it wasn't the right match to go on last time. Maybe if there was a better angle or something like that. But I think that there's a lot of things sometimes to just show other people up. So I think he's going to stay on Roman um, until it works because that's his mindset. And I think Strowman has done great. I'm actually really surprised by the finish yesterday because I'm not sure if it was the right one. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he should have won. But I think he should have kicked the shit out of Brock for, you know, six or seven minutes. And Brock gets a desperation F5 and gets the hell out of the ring while Strowman, you know, just destroys everything. Well, that, to me, would be a smarter way to do it. One of the trends that, that is kind of uncomfortable to many of us uh, was uh, reared his head in that match. And he, the thing is, is that many people were complaining that Strowman sustained only one F5, and that one F5 beat him. Whereas he kicked out of multiple things, and, and other guys and other matches are kicking out of other guys' finishes, so you never know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. When I was watching it, I was expecting more of an impactful finish. I didn't, yeah. I don't, I didn't hate the finish, Chris, but I, I might have needed a little bit more based on the neighborhood they were playing in because all night long you're seeing guys kicking out of this or kicking out of that, and it, it got to be kind of like, wait a minute, what, why? Why are we doing that? You know, so I don't know why it's that. Why are we kicking out of so damn many finishes? Why is that? I, I don't know. It's kind of become the trend and the buzz, and that's one thing I loved about the matches that I had with Kevin Owens is we never kicked out of 
anybody's finishing. Maybe someone gets out of the walls um, or, or, or kick out of a code breaker, but it's never both. But when you just keep doing it over and over again, I mean, you know, if it works, it works. But I, I don't know, man. I think sometimes Brock isn't too excited about people that he's working with because I've seen him have great matches. Um, and other times he just doesn't care. And I don't really know what the reasons are for that. But, um, you know, who am I to say? I'm not making the money that he's making, but I would have had a different match than they had last night because Strowman is, is, is hot. He's the hottest guy in the company. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know if, if anybody can ever be hurt by something, but it's definitely not helping him to, to have that finish that they had last night. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I didn't watch Raw tonight. We were rehearsing here with Fozzie, so I don't know what, what Strowman did, but I would assume he probably killed a dozen people and, you know, got his heat back. Maybe. He, he made an impact. But he's, yeah. he, he's, uh, that one loss. Look, if losing to Lesnar kills you, there's really a lot of things wrong. I mean, we could, we could do a whole week of television or podcasts on this deal. If, right. if losing to Brock Lesnar kills your career, there's so many things on so many fronts that are wrong. Well, yeah. Yeah. We got yeah. a lot of talk. We got a lot to talk about here. So Vince has the idea that yep. Reigns is his guy. And look, his judgment over the years hasn't been bad. That, yeah, that's that's a great point. That's something funny that like I talk about with all those guys, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, uh, Rollins, you know, Reigns, Samoa Joe. It's like you guys have to understand that this is Vince McMahon. You know, he is literally a genius. And it might be something simple, like I always put like two salt shakers on the table, and this is me and Vince talking about a match. And take one of those salt shakers and move it to the left one inch. And you go, oh, my God, like, I can't believe I never thought of doing that. But Vince thinks of those little things. And like you said, he's got a pretty damn good track record. So when Vince has an idea and he believes it and goes for it, I'm putting my money that it's probably going to work because it's worked nine out of ten other times. I'm one of them that's, that's shown that it's worked. So I never talk bad about Vince's booking decisions, ever. And, you know, as an employee of his, a lot of times I don't understand it. It's my job to go get this guy over or do this angle. And sometimes uh, it doesn't make sense. But afterwards, I'll be like, wow, like, that really worked. <laughs> like, like, geez. You know, Vince and I always have a, a joke. It's like, if it worked, it was his idea. Sure. If it didn't work, it was my idea. Absolutely. That's, you know? That is a, a company mandate, without a doubt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Without a doubt. Who came up with the list? A guy called Jimmy Jacobs. He's a writer there now. He was an indie guy, and now he's a writer. He was my guy. Like he was my Brian DeWertz with with Rock. Like we worked on everything together, came up with stuff together, and um, everything that I did in 2016 was was with Jimmy Jacobs. And he just came up one day. He said, "Yeah, what if you put like McFoley like on your list? Like you have a list." I'm like, well, "What is it?" He's like, "It's on that." No, no. It's like you're he's on your shit list. And yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's <laughs> kind of funny." So I did it, and then you know the Jimmy Hart rule that somebody had written a sign that said, "You know the list." So then we were like, that was pretty funny. Like, let me actually get a list. So I got this crappy little clipboard, uh, and I wrote Jericho's list or whatever on the back. And then we did it again. And then Vince was actually gone one week, so I got props to make a big metal thick list that I could use to hit somebody over the head with it, like Jim Cornette's tennis racket or something. And um, so then when he came back the next week, I said, yeah, I got this list made that I can use it to hit people. And he's like, fine, go for it. And that's just where it started. And, it, you know, you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. You never know why. Um, it's just the way it is. Sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle and something gets over. And I don't know. I have no idea. But I'll say this. 
by far the most popular thing, uh, maybe even more so than Y2J's the list. Everybody wants to go on the list. Yeah. I just did 10 book signings and every single person, can you write you just made the list? I'm like, no. Like, A, you can't request to be on the list. <laughs> and, and B, do you know how long it would take me to sign 600 books? You just made the list? Like, no, I'm not doing it. But, um, I, like I said, Jim, I have no idea, and I'm not going to analyze it. I just know that we caught lightning in a bottle. That's with, right, man. The list, the stupid idiot, and it, and, and, you know, drink it in, man, and the gift of Jericho, and blah, blah, blah. It, it was a good year. If I was a rock and roll band, it would be like I had a huge hit record, you know, 20 years into my career, 25 years into my career. So rather than analyze it and try to figure it out, I just roll with it and go with it, man. I'm just fortunate that... Uh, that people um, people enjoyed it and loved it. That's actually even funny. Like on the cruise, if you book in the first 400 cabins, you actually get a picture with the list. That's <laughs> like um, that's a big incentive that people like you know the actual list. Here it is. Take a picture. Write your name on it. Do whatever you want. That's cool. That's good though, yeah. man. That's good. Those yeah. are smart. Those are smart uh, marketing ideas and things. And I got a feeling that uh, between now and uh, October of 2018, that will be. Talking a great deal about your about this event. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And you look at the list of guys. There's just so many neat opportunities to engage uh, these people for the fans in in a variety of different ways. I mean, it's like going to a, a Fozzie concert and, and watching it with Mick Foley. Well, yeah, type I mean, thing. That's you know, exactly right. Or going to a Mick Foley comedy show and watching it with Jim Ross, or you know, whatever it may be. There's a lot of a lot of opportunities to do some stuff that you never get a chance to do anywhere else. And that's what I want to provide. Like, actually, this is not name dropping, but the Kiss crew is I'm pretty good friends with Paul Stanley at this point. And I told him about this idea, and he said, "Because this is a no-brainer. It's going to sell out. It's a great idea." And we were talking about what bands or it doesn't matter. It's it's the experience that you're selling. You could put whoever it is on the on the boat, and it's going to be a great lineup. But it's the experience is what people are going to enjoy the most. And, and that's what it is. I want people to have a great time on this and have one of the best vacations they've ever had. And if I can get some reactions of that, I'll know that I did my job. You know, at this point, I just want, I want to help people's lives, not by getting too philosophical, but I want people to know that when Chris Jericho's name is on something, that it's going to help take away whatever issues that you have for a couple hours, or in this case, a couple days. And just enjoy yourself, man. Life's too short, as we know, and you know more than anybody. Just enjoy yourself. And, yeah. and, you know, we work so hard. Sometimes it's cool just to sit back and, you know, just enjoy yourself. Spend a couple bucks and have a couple cookies and just just have fun, man. That's that's kind of what I want to do. Maximize life's minutes. Without yeah, exactly. Maximize because exactly. our tomorrows are never guaranteed, my boy. They're never yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, you're right. Well, look, you know, you had a, you've had a hell of a run. I'm proud of you. I feel good about the fact that we were able to uh, navigate you into the WWE system uh, on uh, that eventful year after the <laughs> Bombay Bicycle Club. Uh, kind of a cool thing. And the, the countdown clock, Sports Illustrated has asked me to write a, a piece about the top five Attitude Era moments, which are kind of hard to come up with five because there's a lot of really good stuff yeah. in the Attitude Era with all you guys and that roster was an all-star team, man. People ask me, what's, what's your favorite roster, your favorite time frame? And I say, well, now, because I'm still doing it. You know, so, so I don't look at it that way. But the one thing I'll say about, about the Attitude Era, and, and then and then i got to split because actually the bus is leaving me here pretty soon. Um, I think the difference is this. In the Attitude Era, you 
you know, and you and you were the architect along with Vince and, and whoever else was kind of Pat and Jerry putting together this 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 all star roster of giant personalities and guys who had been big stars in other places. So you're looking at Foley, Taker, Triple H, Michaels, uh, Kurt Angle, Jericho, Benoit, uh, Triple H, Rock, Austin. The, that, that's just off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm forgetting another half dozen guys. There were all legit top stars. You know, and, and, and not that the guys aren't now. There's a lot of great performers there. And like I said, I had a blast working with them, and a lot of them are top guys, and a lot of them are learning to be top guys. But those were, like, those were guys that had been top guys for years and had worked in territories around the world. You know what I mean? So it just seemed like there was a lot more um, characters and personalities and experience, I guess. Like, it took me nine years to get to the WWE. You know, it took Benoit, I think, maybe 10 or 12 years to get to the WWE. It took Eddie 12 years. So you got guys that are coming in. It took me 19. What's that? It took me 19. You, there you go. Right. So and, yeah, and, and, I, and, I wasn't, and I wasn't half-assed bad at my work. Well, that's what I mean. So, and that's why. Because 19 years, you know, I know for myself, nine years. So when I got there, I knew how to get over even when the deck was stacked against me, it didn't matter because I knew what to do. Mm-hmm. Nine years, easy. And that's kind of the difference is that the experience level is less. It doesn't mean the guys don't work as hard or don't have as exactly. great matches, but yeah. there, 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 is, there is a difference with that experience that, that came in at that time frame. And you'll never have that again because the, the, the world has closed as far as, 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 as the wrestling business. And there are some guys in Japan, you mentioned Omega and the Young Bucks and guys like that, or guys like Cody that left and, and McIntyre left and came back. You know, that's, that's good for those guys to leave. It's good for them to get the international experience because WWE isn't going anywhere. It's going to be there for the rest of our lifetimes. So go and get that experience. Learn not just wrestling lessons, but life lessons as well. Bingo. You know, and when you come back, you'll be so much more mature, and you'll know how to deal with things better. You'll know how to deal with the office better, and you'll know how to get over better. That's that's just that's just the way it is. You'll so, you'll learn how to balance your checkbook and pay Uncle Sam. You learn how to stay out of that. You can you'll you'll be able to prevent certain issues that other your peers don't because they don't use good judgment because you'll have the experience of doing right. it. It's just life experiences make you a better person at the end of the day. Hey, look, man, yep. I, I enjoyed uh, visiting with you, and I appreciate you taking so much time. Uh, I know because you're busier in hell, and I really am proud of you, young man. So, uh, And thanks for the booking in October. I just, hey, look, I'm going to do all I can to stay a, above the ground and healthy and good through <laughs> October 18th, pal. I can tell you that right now, so it'll be good. Let's hope so, man. Well, thanks for uh, booking me in 1999, and the least I could do is repay my favor uh, of booking you. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it, man. It's great talking to you, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. The Ross Report. The Ross Report. I sure appreciate Chris Jericho joining us here this week on The Ross Report. Check out Chris's podcast on Podcast One right here on our network. Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast there as well. A lot of great uh, podcasts from the world of wrestling on Podcast One, and I support all of them. And they are good folks and, and having some fun just like we are here. So, Chris, thank you very much for joining us. Certainly going to be a Hall of Famer, no doubt about that. I'm excited about his cruise. ChrisJerichoCruise.com is where you want to go to get information. It's in October 2018. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, he's taking on a hell of an undertaking. It's coming out of his pocket. 
It's his own venture. So I'm supporting it and hope you do well as well. Check out ChrisJerichoCruise.com for all the information. I'd like to see you there. Remember our ringside with Jim Ross show coming to Boston. It's going to be on Saturday afternoon, December 16th at Laugh Boston. It's a matinee show. It's the same weekend at WWE Clash of Champions. It is a matinee. It's like Mike Tanay. It's a matinee. And that will be coming to uh, Boston Saturday afternoon, December 16th, the day before WWE's in town in Boston for Clash of Champions. Tickets on sale for our show right now, laughboston.com. Thank you for checking out our free uh, YouTube site, jrsvideos.com. Always good to drop by there. So it's shaking on that, uh, in that part of the world. We're doing really well right now. I think people are grilling more. I think people grill more. I think people grill more in a, in a cooler weather, but our condiments are barbecue sauces, a chipotle ketchup, a jalapeno honey mustard, our seasoning, beef jerky. Business is good right now at uh, com, And maybe it's because, well, you'd like to think the products are good, but also the fact that uh, com does a terrific job of customer service and getting your products to you on a timely basis, uh, a timely manner. And that's important to all of us. Customer service. Hey, sometimes a please and thank you goes a long way, right? Doesn't it really? A thank you, please, something. That's to me. Customer service, lost art. If you are in business today and you have the power and the ability to motivate your people to provide great customer service, do you have just taken a massive step forward to success? Customer service is a lost art. I ain't kidding you. Thank you guys for listening to the Ross Report here and supporting all of our sponsors as well. That's how we're able to do this for you for free every week. Sponsors are pay the tab. We appreciate them. Appreciate you guys too. You got, you know that though. You know what I think about my audience. Don't forget to support podcast one podcast O and E and download the brand new podcast one app. It's available at the app store and on Google play. You know, it's a one of a kind app. Let's experience podcasts like never before. I promise you that. So check out the Ross report on the new app of podcast one. You can find links to all my sponsors at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com. Just click on the Killer Deals button at the top right corner of the page and then drop your bionic elbow bevy on the Ross Report banner, if you will. You just will. Well, big show next week, another big one. Every Tuesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, new show drops. Got some big things planned for you for next week. And I uh, want to thank again Chris Jericho for joining us here this week. We've been running some good guests. We have some good shows. Thanks to you guys for keeping me motivated. And I love communicating with you. I love talking to you. Follow me on Twitter at JRSBBQ. I'm on Facebook and Instagram if you're into that type of stuff. Jim Ross BBQ. I really thank you for joining us. We had fun this week. Great to catch up with Chris. A lot of big things going on in his life, his world, and mine as well. Uh, remember, Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling, will be dropping on Tuesday. So from the Rolling Hills of Oklahoma, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying, So long, everybody! Thanks for listening to The Ross Report. Download a brand new episode every week at podcastone.com. 
That's podcastone.com. Oh, brother. The reason it's called the NFL, not for long. It's sports-related with Jordan and Luke Rogers. The Chargers football is not going to work in Los Angeles. I got hit by a car on my scooter eight days before our first game of my senior year. I was out there playing. No rib strain's going to keep me out. JoJo, what is the last book that Jordan read? I think he just likes to read Twitter articles. Download new episodes of Sports Related every Friday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Trump and the memo. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. Trust your FBI director on this. President Trump is back at the White House from West Virginia. Trust on the memo, Mr. President. On the, memo, sir. on the memo, sir. White House officials say President Trump will clear the way for the publication of a controversial GOP-authored memo, despite objections from the FBI. The memo was prepared by Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee and is said to allege misconduct by the FBI in its investigation of potential ties between Russia and Trump's 2016 campaign. Shots were fired at Salvador B. Castro Middle School this morning in Los Angeles. Two students were injured. The most uh, critical was a 15-year-old male that received a gunshot wound to the head. However, replacing him in critical but stable condition. A female student is in custody, and the police chief in Los Angeles says they believe she is 12 years old. Police say a gun has been recovered. Another student, a 15-year-old, is in fair condition. I'm Ed Donahue. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.